0: This is Carl Gravakis of Holy Carp Graphic Design joining you for this week's episode of Rookie Designer. We're at episode 160, and I'm joined today by Jake Van Ness from Graphic Precision.
1: Morning, Jake. Hey, man. What's up? What's up? How are things going?
0: Pretty good. I'm thankful that today is the end of the week. Uh, it's been one running week, uh, one project running into the next and running into the next. It's been crazy. How about you?
1: Yeah, pretty much the same here. It looks like uh, I'm going to be doing the good old solopreneur working weekend, so i got a bunch of stuff i got to get caught up on before the beginning of next week, and there's all kinds of meetings and stuff I already scheduled for next week. Of course. So, nothing wrong with that. I'm glad to be busy, glad things are uh, going steady and not dropping off, because I know I had a tough first quarter it was slow first quarter but it seems like everybody's come out of the woodwork now and wants all their stuff so it's good it's good people got money to spend that's always good (laughs) yep absolutely all right so why don't we jump right into some design news so what do you got this week
0: well this week uh design week uh gave us an article about uh interesting braille typeface that was designed for public spaces. Uh, It was designed by um, a Japanese designer, Kosuke Takahashi. Um, And it incorporates both the raised lettering of braille with an actual um, uh, Arabic typeface, where it's our our normal typeface using um, ABC and all that. And it uh, kind of superimposes the dots over the letters. So both Uh, People that have sight impairment, as well as anyone else with full sight, can read this.
1: That's really cool. Uh, It was interesting reading this article that Braille's been around for almost 200 years. That seems kind of crazy to me. And It was actually invented by a French educator in 1824, Louis Braille, which obviously that's where the name comes from. But what I thought was interesting is, why haven't hasn't somebody thought of this before it basically because of the way braille's used it's used by touch the lettering just seemed pretty easy to put together like when i saw the examples i was kind of like why all of a sudden is this like a new thing this is crazy this hasn't been done and especially with all the the inclusion stuff that we need to think about nowadays that Somebody hasn't done this before, but it's pretty cool. Now we were talking before we started that the design is interesting because it's like it's a a cyan letter with like almost a black or darker uh, circles for the actual braille part. But you were saying something to me about how that could actually be done better. Like what were you saying about that?
0: Yeah, because color doesn't actually matter for this. You could have those uh, dots be the same color as the typeface. Now I imagine they're doing it on this example, just to show the braille itself. But this could exist in its own way where everything's the same color and you can read the letters without having the visual interruption of the dots. Now what the typeface actually looks like is kind of a elongated typewriter face, like ITC uh, typewriter or something like that, I think. Um, So it's got a very stylized look, but I'm sure you could uh, evolve this to be other different types as well.
1: Yeah, there's also a thing in here that I thought was interesting. Like, I think Braille tends to be closer together. And in this article, he, the gentleman who designed it tested it with a partially sighted friend or someone, a sight impairment, who knows how to read Braille and found that the larger size, it was slower to read than the smaller size of Braille. So that was one thing that he ran into is that With the larger size, obviously, they'd have to slow down and kind of really figure out how many dots are there or how how it feels to get the results. So I thought that was kind of interesting that he'd have to think about that when he's doing it, that it might slow somebody down a little bit that needs to use it. But I think the creativity of it to be able to put the two together is really cool. And I think that we should see more of that as we go forward. The other thing I thought was interesting is that he's currently looking to partner, looking for partners to take what his font is called Braille New, to be using it in the 2020 Olympics. So I thought that, that was be kind be of fantastic. a cool way to like push it at a, at a very public forum and say, hey, you know, this is what should be done everywhere.
0: Right, and this kind of um, brings up the idea of making our designs accessible to uh, various populations um especially this is great for signage this is great for anything that offers guidance um it will it would change um the interface for books like books would become far more print worthy or print heavy but i'm wondering if there was some kind of apparatus where it could actually scroll a tactile i don't know surface where you actually read as it kind of scrolls across I may be thinking technology that's a few years away, but imagine you have an interface like your phone where it just rises up when you walk by a place like you go, need to go to the restroom, and you, your phone gets a signal, and it just raises the braille, and you
1: know that the restroom is to the right, or something like that. That's funny you say that, because one of the things that my Apple Watch does that I think is really interesting is when I'm using my navigation, and I'm coming up to a turn, even though it's going to tell me, my watch actually clicks and lets me know as well that I'm coming up on that turn. So that's kind of that same idea where it could almost use the technology to let them know something like that. But then, yeah, to have it actually somehow either do it by pulse or do it by raised um, impression that they could actually read it with their finger or however they need to read it. So, yeah, that would be interesting. Or it's a
0: watch where it just pushes pins down into your hand if you somehow kind of just to read as it scrolls I don't know we'd have to learn both how to use it and how to design it but um I should put trademarks on all those
1: ideas (laughs) well and also with what you were saying about making sure that your your designs are inclusive one of the things that I when I did a rebranding project for a local nonprofit They actually have services and programs for 55 and older. And so one of the things that we needed to make sure was in the website design was the ability to easily know how to go up and down with the font size. Now obviously a lot of tech people know you just hit a certain keyboard combination and it goes up and down. Or you scroll or you pinch and zoom on a touch surface. Some people don't know that. So we actually put something front and center on the front page that said, hey, if you want the font larger, just click here. And I think that's something that it helps with that inclusion. I know the web designer in my b and group has been talking about the fact that there are a lot more requirements now that, I don't know if there's a lot more, but there's a lot more um, eyeballs on making sure that those requirements are, are met with web design. They're, they're looking at the things that are important for people that are hard of seeing, for people that are hard of hearing, that they need to have those things on the website. And he said it's not anything that most web designers aren't doing already, but it's good to have a web designer sit down and look at that and say, okay, what stuff is being done and are you doing the stuff to be inclusive?
0: Right, and if you're working with the government, some of those require are requirements of doing that type of work. Um as far as accessibility you're going to see issues with sight impairment uh with sound um also you got to consider color blindness and other things so as you're designing if your audience is going to be a marketplace where there's a lot of that or maybe even a little of that but it's potentially going to affect the the public you should consider adding some more accessibility to your design work
1: yeah absolutely Absolutely. So we'll we'll put a, a link to this article in the show notes so you can actually see what this looks like and how it's being done. It's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty neat thing that they came up with. Um, to find our show notes, just as a reminder, it is com slash RD160. Always the show notes are basically slash RD, whatever the episode number is. Um, and also to tie into last week's episode, um, episode 159 back there, we talked about some emojis that they're coming out for people with disabilities. So it's kind of a little bit of a trend that I'm seeing that there's a lot more of this thought on being more inclusive. So if you're interested in that, you can find that episode at rookiedesigner.com RD159. So we also have another thing that I wanted to talk about. It's not directly related to design, but as someone who is kind of a a part-time photographer as well. It was interesting to hear that Flickr was bought by SmugMug. Now, there's been a whole lot of strange stuff going on with Yahoo, Flickr, and Yahoo basically got bought by Verizon that also bought AOL. and And it looks to me like Verizon bought all this stuff and now they're selling pieces off, and Flickr is one of those pieces that they actually sold off. Now, the CEO of SmugMug has basically come out and said, we've, we've bought it, but we're not really going to mess with it at this point. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to automatically merge things onto SmugMug. They're going to be kept as two separate entities at this point. Now, honestly, I think eventually they will be merged because nobody wants to have to basically manage two things that are very similar. If, if they could be merged into one, they'll eventually do that. But what I thought was interesting is I was reading an article from somebody who had actually been a Flickr user since it started, and he said what he thinks the reason Smug SmugMug bought uh, Flickr is because of the community aspect. Flickr has a very, very strong community aspect to it, where SmugMug doesn't really have that as much. So I think that, and I agree with it, I think that's where that's what they bought. They bought Flickr more for the community, not necessarily the hosting platform for the photos or anything like that. The other thing that was brought up that I thought was interesting is Flickr does allow adult content. It allows artistic adult content, but it is very, very careful with keeping that away from the eyes of kids. So that is something that a lot of people are concerned because SmugMug doesn't have that. Were they going to turn off that availability and it doesn't seem according to the the terms and services that they're doing that they're going to keep it but they're going to have to do a very good job of making sure they moderate that and make sure that everything is okay with that and hopefully they don't get rid of it because there is a big base very big community of artistic photography that is of adult content so it's, it's an interesting move i think that we're going to see more stuff like this from the whole yahoo AOL platforms, all the little tools that they have get sold off because one thing that was also brought up is Verizon, Google, Facebook, they're all advertising businesses. That's what they really are. They're, they're, they want your data to be able to advertise to you, and that's how they make a lot of their money. Yes, Verizon has its telecom side and its, its wireless side and all that, but when you really look down at the base of it, The reason they went after AOL on Yahoo is for the advertising side. So one of the things that Flickr has is it has a free account level and it has a paid account level. The free account level has advertisements and stuff like that. SmugMug, again, doesn't have that. It only has the pay level. So it's interesting, again, where they're going to keep that free level, have the advertisements and stuff like that, and they're going to have to figure out how to manage that because they don't have that currently on SmugMug. So it's interesting because as you and I both know, and I think as more and more people are becoming more aware of the fact that free is not free, free means that you're giving data so that they can turn around and advertise to you. So just, that's always something to keep in mind with any of these tools. So again, SmugMug has bought Flickr and we'll see where it goes from here, but it sounds like they're keeping things pretty much the way they are. They just were really interested in the community aspect of it. So I think that's kind of cool. So, I'll put it again. I'll put a link to this article in the show notes, and you guys can take a look at that. So, let's jump into our main topic this week. What are we going to talk about?
0: As promised for last week, we're going to be talking about design conferences. I'm going to How Design on Wednesday of next week. Um, And initially, the uh, cost of the conference was $1,800, which was insane to me. Um, but I saw this consolation prize, $25 gets you in the exhibitor hall. Well, uh, it's not as glorious as it sounds. The exhibitor hall is actually only open for two-hour stints throughout the day, except for Wednesday there's a four-hour stint, which kind of makes me kind of shrug a little. But you know what? It's fine. I'm going. I've got a few vendors I'm going to uh, visit, and uh, we'll highlight those in a little bit. But I wanted to hear about your experience. Um, Convince me why I perhaps should have gone for the $1,800 experience. Um, uh, What you get out of design conferences, Um, Jake? You've been to one of them. Let us tell us which one you've been to, and you know basically the costs associated. But what about the return as well?
1: Well, the first thing I'll tell you is it's a business write-off. Oh, that's a good start. Yeah, I mean I think that's something that people need to realize is making that investment in going to this is a business write-up. Obviously talk to your accountant about how to do that correctly, but that is something to keep in mind. Um, I've actually been to a couple different design conferences over the last, I would say like 10 years. Um, I think it was, yeah, 10 years ago in 2008, I believe I went to Adobe max Adobe max, was different. It, it was basically, it's not what it is now. I mean, 10 years ago, obviously, things have changed. But when, when I went, they had just bought, Adobe had just bought Macromedia. So that was part of Macromedia's whole thing as they had this conference. When I went, as a print designer, I kind of was sitting there scratching my head because a lot of it was geared towards web design, web development, um, things like that. And there wasn't a lot of Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign. It wasn't a lot of that because Adobe hadn't really done a lot with getting all of that together and making it a big, giant conference, which now Adobe Max, from people that I've talked to that have gone and things that I've seen as far as videos and stuff, they they are much more integrated with all of the different programs because obviously it's Adobe Max, so it's about all of the different stuff. Even some of the... um, Back and stuff that, as designers, sometimes we don't realize is there, and some of their uh, marketing and um, advertising platform stuff that they have, um, and tracking and all of that stuff. So that was really interesting. That was in San Francisco, first time I had been. I think first time I had been on the West Coast, first time I had been in San Francisco. It was a great time. Had a blast. Um, then about six years ago, seven years ago, I went to the very first PEPCON conference and that was e-publishing. That was when e-publishing had really started to really take a hold and people were really starting to recognize that as a career path. So it was a specific conference that was all around InDesign electronic publishing whether that was Kindle, iPad, eBooks, PDFs, all that stuff. So it was very specific in what it was but because i was in print and looking at what that transition was to e-publishing i was very interested and it it was cool it was a small conference because it was the very first one but it was it was interesting to see what the technology was was gonna happen with that
0: now um um, at these conferences what type of content do you participate in is it walking a floor uh of people trying to sell you stuff and you sit down for an hour with them or
1: Actually, when I went to Adobe Max, that had a much bigger showroom floor, I would say. But again, there's different what they call tracks, which it's almost like going to school or going to university. You basically have a class that you're gonna take. You're in a session, and so you could go different tracks. Now, depending on the size of the conference, there may be tracks that are like, okay, you do A, B, and C, kind of in that order, or there may be some where you say, okay, I'm gonna do A, I'm gonna do F, and I'm gonna do Z, and they're kind of all over the place. And so Adobe Max, I kind of tried to find the things that were a little bit related to what I did. Um, PepCon was more, there was, there were some different classes but not as many during the same time periods. So it was very much almost a more straight line, like you just went from session to session. Again, it was a very small situation. The showroom for that was very small as well. Like they only had a couple vendors there, a couple sponsors. Now, so you, you end up in sessions for most of the, the time, and then you have time on the showroom floor. I've also been to Photoshop World, which I went to a couple years ago. Obviously, that's very much specifically for photography, Photoshop, things like that. That had a really interesting showroom because one of the things they do in the showroom is the lighting company, which I cannot remember off the top of my head right now, has a four bay um, setup. And what they actually do is they bring in models to model in those four bays and you can actually see how their lighting works, actually shoot. The models and take photos and it it really is hands-on and you get to really see how their lighting works and that was really really cool because you got to to see how the equipment worked on the showroom floor and got to shoot professional models and that that was a lot of fun there was a guy dressed up like they would they would come back each day dressed differently and so we had guys that were dressed up for almost like cosplay type of stuff, and then you had like professional models that would come in dressed really, really nice. So it was really cool to see that. Um, Also with Photoshop World, and actually the, the last conference I went to that I'll talk about in a second, they actually had photo walks. So it would be about 30 to 40 people that, and we were in DC at the time, where you'd actually walk around and you had a guide, which was a professional photographer, typically that lived there and knew the sites and knew the area really well. And so he took us around to some different things and talked about how he would shoot it. And then he would look at your photos, and give you pointers and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool because I wasn't sitting in a classroom learning that way. It was very hands-on. So Photoshop world was very different in a sense of you didn't have as many sessions of just sitting in a session and just listening to a lecture. It was a lot more hands-on. Now they did have those for certain things. Now the last conference I went to last year in Atlanta was the Creative Pro Week Conference. This is the step up from what PepCon was years ago because the Creative Pro Conference actually has PepCon as part of it. So what happens is it's actually what they consider four or five conferences all at once. So the way it worked is we had Photoshop Illustrator Conference for a couple days. Then we had InDesign Conference for a couple days. They overlapped a little bit. Then we had PepCon, same thing, for a couple days. They kind of overlapped. And then they had creative developers that kind of overlapped. So it was a week long, but like the first couple days would be uh, one conference overlapping into the other one so that one was very much tracks for sessions so it was interesting because you could buy just the first conference and go those two or three days or you could buy two conferences and go for a couple days or you could buy the whole conference and go for the whole week so I I was like if I'm gonna spend this money I'm doing the whole week because I wanted to see what the whole thing was about well there were people that came in for the beginning of the week that I only saw them for a couple days and then they'd be gone. And then there'd be a new batch of people that came in like the Wednesday for the last couple session or, uh, conference pieces. So it was really interesting to be there a whole week and like meet a couple of people and then get to know them. And they would go off after their conference and, and then a whole bunch of new people would come in for the later part of the conferences. Um, and that was really cool because that encompassed kind of like Adobe Max does now all of the different creative programs that we use and it was everything from people who were illustrators and amazing artists to people that were um e-publishing professionals to people who are photographers and then the creative developers were the programmers so it was really interesting to see the wide eclectic group of people that were all in creative and it was funny because you have a creative developer you'd sit and talk to that could not draw a circle if he needed to but he was awesome at coding and he could code specifically for InDesign or code specifically for scripting something for e-publishing so it was really neat to talk to some of those people um I I got to to hang out with some of my uh, people that I absolutely admire like um Von Glitschko was there and did a session and got to talk to him a little bit about his illustration and what he does. He's um, remarkable. He, yeah, he's amazing. And, and really, really nice person. Um, Dave Dave Cross? Yeah, I think it was Dave Cross was there as well. He did a session. Um, was uh, Mar- what was that?
0: Was Jeff Fisher at
1: that one? Uh, Jeff Fisher wasn't at this one this year. Um, Dave, the two people who actually start at the PepCon conference, Anne-Marie and David from InDesignSecrets.com. They actually run this whole thing now. And so they were there. And it's funny because I hadn't been to a conference with these people in five years. But yet when I walked in the room and I saw David and I saw Anne-Marie, I talked to them online and stuff like that. It was so cool to like, it was like I had been to everyone every year. To feel that, camaraderie with people was really cool, and so, Nigel French was there, coming over from the UK, um, Colin was there, and I cannot remember Colin's last name, he actually came all the way from Australia, so it was really cool to see, like, all these people from all over the place, I met a bunch of people from the UK, um, that were there, and then, That's the thing that I'll tell you. There's the educational part of this, and you obviously walk away. Every time you go to a conference, you're going to walk away and go, okay, I've got a better idea of how to use the tools or better tools to use because there's a lot of plugins and stuff like that that you'll learn about. But more importantly, the relationships with other designers, the other designers who understand the struggles of working as a creative. There's a lot of people who are independents and solopreneurs like us. There's a lot of people that are there that actually are in-house designers. And then there's a lot of people there that are students coming out of school or, or still in school. And it's a, it's a big variety. But what I absolutely found impressive about the Creative Pro Conference is the instructors are at the same level as everybody else. You, you go to dinner... You'll run into them, they'll have conversations. You'll have a drink at the bar with them. You'll, you'll hang out with them. They don't, they don't go close themselves off in another room as instructors. Sometimes I think because of the level that some of the instructors are at, they may do that at bigger conferences like Photoshop World or like Adobe Max, and you may not run into them. And also the, the sheer number of people at some of these conferences, you may never even see an instructor after he gets off the stage because they're just so busy doing other stuff the creative pro conference is growing quickly so i think we're going to start seeing a lot more people get involved with it but it's cool to develop those friendships with the instructors as well as with the people that you meet there so it's not just about what am i going to learn it's about building relationships and having those relationships beyond the conference um, Russell Viers is another one that was there. Uh, I'm trying to think. It, it's just it, there's tons of people that come to these, and it, it's really cool to get to know them and, and have those relationships. So I think that's that's my biggest selling point is relationships. It's all about being around people that do the same thing you do, that understand your struggles, understand what it's like to be a designer, and you, it's such a connection that. You walk up to somebody who's a designer, you immediately can have a conversation with them. And everybody is extremely friendly because that's why they're there. You don't go to a conference to basically go and sit in a corner and not talk to anybody. And and I'm an introvert, and it's not easy for me to be in that environment all the time, but it's exciting at the same time. Now, I'll be honest, every day I was drained because it is intense from the minute you get there to when you leave because there's so much going on, there's so many people, and there's so much to learn, you do get really drained. So you have to be careful that you don't run yourself ragged. Take time to kind of step back and say, okay, I need to take a deep breath. Maybe don't take a session every minute of every day that you're at the conference. Um, One of the things that I absolutely thought was amazing for me personally is I've been a huge Roberto Blake fan for quite a while. I've watched almost all of his videos on YouTube. He's an amazing YouTuber, he's an amazing photographer, an amazing creative. And I heard he was gonna be in Atlanta and I purposely made sure I signed up for his session. And his session was cool because he did Lightroom and Premiere, which were kind of programs that I use, but not regularly. So it was something that was neat to see how he does what he does, especially with the YouTube side of things. Um, But the best part was the hour that I got with him after his session where it's this guy that I've only ever known through YouTube that I kind of look up to, and I got a chance to sit down with him and have a real conversation and build a relationship with him. And so now he and I talk to each other probably on a, not a, a regular basis, but it's like I'll reach out to him and ask a question, and I'm more likely to get a response now because he knows who I am, and we've had a conversation, and we've had that interaction face-to-face. So it's it's That's a big piece of it, it really is. Now, don't get me wrong, education-wise, it's priceless. Like, you were gonna come out of every session with at least one or two things where you're like, wow, I didn't even think about that. Um, Greps. I have never used Greps for InDesign, which is basically, the simplest way to put it is find and replace, but it is find and replace with superpowers so you can actually do amazing things with it. Just look up, I'll put a link to uh, Erica's stuff because Erica's the one that taught the class. Uh, I'll put a link to her stuff so you get an idea of what GREP is. But that changed so much for me when it came to little things that I have to do for the newspaper I work on and how I was able to just run this and it would just do things for me that were absolutely amazing. I Yes, I can get some of that education through lynda.com or through YouTube, or, but it's totally different when you're sitting there watching somebody do it and you can see them afterwards and say, hey, I saw how you did that, but can we talk about how this could apply directly to what I'm trying to do? And sit down with that instructor and have them one-on-one for like 10, 15 minutes, show them what you're trying to do, and they can help you fix that. That was huge to me. So that, The conference, it's about having fun, it's about building relationships, it's about learning about the tools that you use, learning about the new stuff that's out there. Um, One of the things that Creative Pro Conference did is they brought in some of the developers from Adobe. And so we actually had a session where we could ask them specific questions of, why did you do this? Or can you think about doing this? And give our feedback to them, because obviously that's what they're looking for is our feedback on things that we liked and disliked about the programs. So to actually have access to those people directly was really cool. So there's all kinds of stuff like that. Um, Not to mention visiting a new city. Like I, I had been in Atlanta a couple times, but not a ton. But to be able to go to Atlanta and see more of Atlanta and get to hang out for a week in Atlanta, I got to go to the new Atlanta Braves stadium, got to see a baseball game where that totally was by accident with like 50 percent was instructors. But what it was is it came up on, there's there's a forum that we go to a chat group, it came up on there and said, hey we're gonna go to a baseball game, does anybody else want to go? And I was like "Eh, what the heck? And so I signed up and I ended up hanging out with like a bunch of people that ended up being instructors later on that I didn't even realize that until after they got up on stage and I was like, oh, that's the guy that was sitting next to me at the baseball game. So it was really cool to have that connection with those guys. Um, and that's the thing, a lot of these conferences will move around city to city. Um, Adobe Max doesn't as much, like they try to stay in LA for the most part. Um, I think they went somewhere else recently, but I can't remember. Um, Photoshop World is typically in Vegas and in Florida. This one, there. are The Creative Pro Conference for this year, 2018, is actually in New Orleans. So these guys are moving around. So that's the other reason is to travel, to be able to go and see these other places. I am, because I'm a solopreneur, I'm able to do this. I'm able to say, okay, I'm going to go down two days early so that I can actually get to explore the area. Because I will tell you, I know a lot of people that go into conferences and they're straight out at the conference the whole time and then they go home. And it wouldn't matter if that conference was in Chicago or if that conference was Miami or that conference was in San Francisco. They wouldn't know the difference because they fly in, they do the conference, and they fly home. I personally, because I love to travel, I want to take the extra time to see the city and see where we are. So, And you can do some of that at night because obviously you don't have sessions for 16 hours. You have sessions for maybe 8 to 10, and then you have dinners and stuff like that. So you do get to explore a little bit. Um, So, yeah, as you can tell, I get excited about conferences. I absolutely love conferences. Now, I also get extremely excited about Creative Pro Week because of the people involved with that. I absolutely adore them. I think they are amazing people, amazing designers, and amazing instructors. So, if you get a chance to check them out, I definitely will. I would. Um, Unfortunately, I am not able to make the New Orleans trip this year. I was really hoping to be able to do it and do two years in a row, but... As you were talking about, price is something to think about. I sounds, mean, it's it expensive. sounds
0: like it's going to be at least thirty-five hundred if you consider plane ticket, admission, hotels, and meals. Um, you're probably talking about thirty-five hundred in any of the major cities outside of New York and Boston, San Fran, where it's going to be even more. Um, yeah. So I'm looking at How Design because it's in Boston, which is about twelve miles away from me. I'm going in, um, I go to conventions at the Heinz Convention Center that, that are there year after year like Anime Boston and whatever. So I'm going to this place that I know quite well and um, being on the uh, floor for exhibitors which is pretty much the only thing I can really focus on, not doing any of these uh, specific events, um, I've highlighted a few of the exhibitors that I'm going to visit. Um, the types of exhibitors are pretty much paper companies um there's a lot of design workflow companies like a lot of companies that have uh ways to uh manage your project, basically set milestones um get sign-offs and then to uh manage a whole team for a project and that's kind of interesting to me so i'm gonna see if i can find one that's kind of accessible for a uh, solo person. It's kind of I'm I'm looking at poking around Monday.com as well, just to do that a little bit as well. But that's more of a general project management software. I'm looking I
1: wonder, at. I kind of wonder if they'll be there. They yeah. may be there. I
0: I am looking at Nina Paper, which um looks I, I love their product. They I think they're in G D USA all the time, and a lot of my clients are using these classroom books that they just want to up the. The, the look of the book. So, hoping that I can find some papers that are worthwhile there. Um, Pack Love is a, a company that does uh, individual packaging, I believe. They'll do, if you want to do one box, they'll do the one box. So, if you're trying to do a monthly subscription service, might be something worth looking at. Myself, I've got a wedding coming up. I may want to do like five boxes for my best men. is Groomsmen, that's what they're called. Um, RoboHead, another one I'm looking at, Wonderland, and then dot design domains is another one that I'm looking at. Then I'm just going to walk the floor, see what people are offering, and uh, kind of approach it openly, uh, like with an open mind to, to see where the muse drives me.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. And maybe,
0: maybe the next conference, I'll, I'll kind of go a little deeper. I was at a learning management system conference last year. Uh, for my previous employer, it was Docebo and I, I sat in on two sessions. One of them was talking about where virtual learning is going and how it's automated. That was quite interesting. Um, and then there was there's always the keynotes that are kind of uh, setting up where the, the industry is, where it's going and what the opinions of that industry is. So you do it is great to get those insights as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things with Adobe Max every year. I will watch the keynote, you can watch it live, they stream it. That That's to me one of the biggest things to watch to see where things are going. And then they also, and some of the other conferences, I know Creative Pro has it as well, where you can get digital passes, where you can actually watch a lot of the stuff virtually and do it that way. So there is that option as well. It, it's obviously less expensive than actually going to the conference itself. but it just doesn't give you the same feel. I mean, there's totally a different feel with being in a session with somebody and and being surrounded by creatives. But there is that option. If you can't travel to it, you can do it that way. And And you'll see bits and pieces of conferences on YouTube where they'll basically, because they're promoting the conference, they'll put out a session here or a session there. So look for that stuff. Like the keynotes, I know they tend to put out no matter what because they know people are interested in that. But look for some of the other sessions as well. Showroom, I'm also got Show, showroom floors are just awesome. I, I find them just absolutely amazing.
0: Uh, one of the other things that interests me in conferences and having been staff for big conventions uh, in the fandom industries over the last few years um, I'm interested in being being a panelist or one of those presenters for those small group sessions where um, you talk to people and you kind of do that knowledge transfer, um, in the room now I wouldn't do it at a design conference because that would be like selling ice to Eskimos unless <laughs> I had some insight into specific groups like how to launch your business uh, as you're starting out maybe a student type of conference but I'm also thinking of these small business conferences where it's a collection of people trying to run their business and launch and they are looking for advice of one another and I would love to become a panelist or, or an educator for the design side of things for those small businesses. Um, that's,
1: that's not a bad idea.
0: Yeah, and there's one in Boston. There's a small business conference. I think it's next week. It's I'm not going to be able to make it because I'm already at Howe, but it, as it comes around year after year... It may be worth looking into that, or maybe even starting smaller and going, running an event for the local chambers of commerce in, in the cities and towns that surround your area. If you, if you want to be an educator or if you want to become a, a voice that people know, like, and trust to use and be a an nice speak, um, just being
1: out there is one way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm talk, uh, I talked a lot about big conferences. I mean, thousands of people. There are plenty of conferences that are not that size. There's and, and sometimes they're called other stuff. They're called meetups or they're called groups or things like that. So look for those things. Like there, There's a lot of that out there. It's just a matter of finding it. And especially if you live close to a major city, there's almost always something going on when it comes to business on the weekends or, or even during the week for conferences. They could be any size. But I think what you're talking about is really interesting to get in front of business people that may need your services and and explain to them why they need to think about design when they're running their business. So I think that's pretty cool. I mean, it was interesting because Roberto has Roberto Blake has a really good following on YouTube, but he's not a big speaker. Like he speaks at a bunch of different places, but there's different levels of speakers obviously. There's people that have been in the industry for a long time that have been speaking for a long time, where he has just started getting into speaking over the last couple of years. So the room that we had his session in was smaller than, say, Anne-Marie and David, who actually run the conference. Their sessions were in like giant conference rooms or giant halls because they were main classes or main sessions. So even that sense, where Roberto was teaching about something very specific, which was Lightroom and Premiere and how designers could use those, it was a much smaller classroom. So even though he was a speaker at a big conference, he just had a smaller session. So that's something to think about, too, is that if you, if you want to get involved with that stuff, to reach out to those people and say, hey, you know, I want, to, I want to do something like this and have an idea what to do.
0: Right. And if you're a guest to one of these gigs, you may get your expenses paid for travel, for being, getting, getting, uh... Uh, entrance into the conference, uh, meals and all that, you may actually get paid for what you're doing, too, um, as well. So um, consider that as an option to attend some of these conferences, too. Yeah. Kind of yeah. flip it on its ear. Um, all
1: right. Well, I think we've gone a long time with that one. Uh, we have. As part of my excitement about conferences. So <laughs> why don't we talk about what our rookie recommendations are this week? So what is your recommendation?
0: So I was looking at the pile of books that I need to read, and one of them is Tori Johnson's Spark and Hustle. Uh, this is how to launch your and grow your small business now. Uh, Tori Johnson had partnered with Dave Ramsey in running a, a series of conferences about small businesses. So um, I like who she's connected with. Uh, Ramsey is uh, has a good model for you know not running a your personal life on debt. So that she partnered with him i kind of like that so um it's talks about uh your motivations for profiting from your passion uh creating a business plan which i have mine in theory but i've never bothered to write down (coughs) um finding money to get going uh how to make social media profitable and some other things uh if i find some knowledge that's worth sharing from this book i will definitely uh share some of that
1: okay cool so my recommendation just to go along with um the conference talk it's kind of a cop out but i'm gonna say the creative pro week conference i highly recommend if you if you use adobe products if you are a designer or a creative person that you look at this conference and really take a look at what it could offer you I think it is probably one of the best communities that i've been around the people are great the instructors are great so i highly recommend you look into it again Anne marie and david are both wonderful people very personable and they run an excellent conference so if you get a chance check it out it isn't cheap but i could tell you it's worth it i'm glad i went to atlanta and did it in 2017 I am extremely disappointed I won't get to do it this year, but it's already on my budget for next year for 2019. Wherever they end up going, I definitely plan on going. So that's my recommendation for the week. So you got anything else? No, um, I'd like
0: to ask you to close us out if you want because you're so much better at it than me.
1: (laughs) All right, so guys, if you want to find us, you can find us at rookiedesigner.com. That is where you will find all the episodes. That's where you'll find the show notes. Again, show notes are based on rookiedesigner.com slash RD160 or RD whatever episode you're listening to. You can find all the episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, The last few episodes are now on Anchor, so if you're an Anchor user, anchor.fm, feel free to give us a listen there, and also feel free to call in there, because we can actually use those call-ins as part of the program. You can also find us on Facebook, at Rookie Designer, on Twitter, at Rookie Designer. And I think that's everywhere. You think I would record this so I could just pop it in there, and I have to say it every week, but I think that's going to be good for us this week. We're almost at 45 minutes, so that's pretty good. It's a little bit of a longer episode, but I hope you guys enjoyed. And remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star.